0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Welcome to VMB, the voice of Manhattan business, brought to you by the Manhattan Chamber of Commerce. I'm your host, Bruce Hurwitz. You can find me on the web at hsstaffing.com. I hope everyone will be able to join me at noon next Wednesday, when my guest will be Marilyn Dolan from Integrated Printing and Graphics. We will be discussing the haptic brain and The Science of Touch. To learn about all future shows, please visit our website, thevoiceofmanhattanbusiness.com. And please remember to visit the events page on the Chamber's website, manhattancc.org, to learn about upcoming events on the Chamber's calendar. I am delighted to be joined today by Leyland Hazelwood from Dimpex, Inc. We will be discussing expanding into African growth markets. Please remember, the opinions expressed on this program are solely those of the participants and do not necessarily represent the views or positions of the Manhattan Chamber of Commerce. If you have any questions, feel free to call in. The number is 805-243-1301 and dial one so I know you have a question. Leyland, welcome to the show.
0: Hi, Bruce. Thanks for having me.
1: Well, it's my pleasure, and before we go any further, I want to uh, thank you for your patience. You were supposed to be on yesterday at noon. We had technical uh, problems. You were most generous, and I really appreciate your changing your schedule to join me now. So thank you. Thank you, Bruce. Now, tell us about yourself and your
0: company. Well, uh, the name of my company is Dimpex. Uh, the name implies development, import, export. Uh, prior to setting up the company, I was an executive at CBS TV, a financial analyst, and an economist with the Tri State Planning Commission. To New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut. But at the outset, when the company was set up, I was really committed to international business, and hence the name, and, uh, and development played a vital role in my thinking. I felt that there was a particular niche in the develop, developing community, in the community of developing countries uh, that needed to be served in the realm of imports and exports, and subsequently in more general consulting to corporations that are either engaged in those activities or in a more general way in investment and marketing. Your
1: um, resume is fascinating. I also noticed that you used to be a consul in South Africa. So you, yes, you, yes, you know, you've been on both sides of the table, <laughs> right,
0: right, and that 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 was very good. I I was asked to be a consul because of the business experience in the African environment and in South Africa in particular, and being a consul gave me. Well, I was, I was really responsible for the economic diplomacy of the country, of Guyana. So it gave me a different approach, a different insight in interacting with the business community. It, opened, it created a lot of access, uh, which, which has been very useful, not only from insights and, and contacts, uh, but primarily in those areas. At the time, I was very much interested in the transport, mining, because South Africa is a big mining nation. And the country that I represented, Guyana in South America, also did mining, of course, not on the scale of South Africa. And there was the thought that some type of business could be promoted.
1: Now we're talking about Africa, but we've got to say something up front. Africa is not a monolith. so it's kind of hard to say Africa, given Northern Africa, Sub-Saharan Africa. So that is the caveat to all of my questions.
0: Okay, okay. given
1: that Africa is not a monolith, what makes Africa an attractive place to do business.
0: Well, there's several reasons. Uh, first of all, because there are a lot of issues and problems to be resolved. The needs of the African citizens and African countries are really enormous, and uh, uh, and the, they present great challenges to those nations, their governments, as they try to improve the quality of life of their countries, but. Be that as it may, African African economies are the fastest-growing economies in the world right now. Seven of the the ten fastest-growing economies in the world are in Africa. It's a continent that is growing, second only to the continent of Asia, which has China and India, which are really, uh, and Singapore, which are real, real stars on the global scene. But it's much better in terms of growth, than North America, South America, and the Caribbean, and Europe. Africa also is a considerable landmass. Uh, the United States, China, India, and parts of Europe could fit very snugly into the continent of Africa. It's a country of more than a billion people, mostly young people, uh, It's it's a continent where many of the countries are moving towards democratic forms of government. There are more countries that leadership is being succeeded by elections, which is quite different from years ago where uh, it's not unusual to hear about coup d'etats and things of that nature. And the African countries are opening themselves up uh, and and promoting market-driven economies. So I think that these are some really good reasons to take a strong look at Africa.
1: Now, which countries would you recommend a business
0: owner explore,
1: and which ones should be avoided?
0: Well, let me, let me address the issue of what should be avoided first. Okay. Because I'm, I'm reluctant to suggest any country uh, for simple reason, the experience of businesses do well in all sorts of environments. It depends on the type of business you are, your appetite for risk, uh, and those types of extenuating factors. There have been companies that have done very well in Iraq during the, the, the war. Uh, I have been in countries, for instance, in South Africa. Uh, I lived through a period in the transition from apartheid to democratic forms of government, and there had been times when there was a lot of uh, civil strife around me, but that did not detract from the fact that South Africa is one of the most desirable places to be. As a matter of fact, about the week before elections, uh, way back then, I got a call from the, uh, a newspaper in the New York metropolitan area and, uh, to, to get an assessment of what happened because there was an explosion at the airport. And I told them that, well, everything was okay, you know, that we expected that. That's part of the scene. But business still is being done. Uh, if you know how to do it, if, you, if, if you're sensitive to what's happening on the ground, and you are creative in your approach to business. Now, in terms of, yeah, so this is why I'm reluctant to, to, to suggest, yeah, and, and that is not to, to deny the fact that there are serious problems in many countries. At any given time, there, there are problems. But what I'm really suggesting, that there's prudence, sensitivity, creativity, and your appetite for risk, and, and those are internal issues in each company. Uh, There are many good companies, countries, to take a look at. Uh, Starting if you look at the northern rim, countries like Morocco, you come down, Ethiopia, in the east, Ethiopia, Kenya, uh, all the way down to South Africa. And the west in spite of all of the problems that we are ex- that Nigeria is experiencing now it's it's a country of enormous potential uh, for businesses. It's the largest country in Africa in terms of population, about one hundred and eighty million people now uh, in recent calculations, it has the largest economy in, uh, in Africa uh, just edged. South Africa out, Uh, and then there are strong countries like Ghana. There was an election in Ghana last week uh, which demonstrated uh, the transition of government through electoral processes, and so there are a number of good countries. It just depends on the type of business that you're in. Uh, How do you see your global strategy? What are your needs? in terms of either markets or in terms of your supply chains, your, your inputs into your process, and can they, can they be de- derived from some country or countries within the African continent? So these are individual decisions that companies uh, make. What are the growth sectors in Africa? Growth sectors, uh, because the needs are so enormous and and they're still developing, it means that all of the the elements that we take for granted here in the United States and in more developing countries are not in place. So it means that infrastructure needs are enormous. There is a great need to increase energy, expand the electricity distribution, uh, improve railways, air transport, highways, ports. I mean, all of these are very basic, but they really need to be upgraded because many of these uh, facilities have not really been ingra- upgraded to any extent since the end of the colonial period. And many of the, much of the colonial infrastructure, you know, has been created more than a hundred years ago. Uh, you could think of few, in some countries, of very few infrastructural facilities. Uh, so there is a an tremendous need in in this area. So companies that are players provide goods services technical expertise or whatever in that in the infrastructure area I uh, should really take a serious look at the African continent now in addition to that there's ICT you know uh, internet communications and telephony uh, in many countries African countries have 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 done very well with mobile and cellular communication. They have gone beyond the landline, which proved to be expensive to distribute. Uh, and so cellular communication has has played a very, very important part in the last twenty years within africa and And you'd be surprised to the extent of the penetration and and the use of of uh, internet. Uh, telecommunications aren't uh, cell
1: phones used as banks?
0: People oh, absolutely. Get paid
1: and you
0: know. Absolutely, I tell people that when the iPhone introduced uh, banking services in, I, I think it was in November of 2014, they were already ten years behind Kenya in Africa hmm. uh, because. Because of the needs to get to remote uh, uh, communities and to include poor people in the process who normally would not have a bank account and so on, uh, the the major telephone company, I think Safaricom, in uh, in Kenya, developed what they call the M-Pesa, which enabled global bank banking, and this goes way back, uh, much. Long, much earlier than we adopted it here in in the United States. So they're doing a lot of experimentation with the use of mobile uh, uh, services to meet their needs. And, uh, along those lines, let me give you another example, where you okay. have to be very creative and you have to pay attention to what's happening in the environment. There is a situation where, you know, people would look and, and, and ask the question, why do these African businessmen have more than one phone? And then one company, you know, really thought, well, I could sell more phones. But a small Asian company approached it differently. They created a handset that could hold two SIM cards from two different internet providers. So now, instead of having two phones, you have the one phone using two providers, and you could switch service from one to the other just the a press of a button on the handset, depending on which service is cheaper at that, part, at that time of the day or for that location or what have you. This is where you have to be creative and not take things for granted, uh, but really try to address the needs as they present themselves.
1: I was surprised the, you didn't say
0: mining. My, mining? Well, well, you know, sure, there are opportunities in mining. Sure, there are opportunities in mining. But uh, I guess I took that for granted. Okay. You see, but there is a, the need for lots of infrastructure to to improve the mining, Increase the mining and, ad- and address some of the other needs. For instance, a lot of the, the countries are thinking of of moving their economies further down the further up the value chain by going into downstream production. Uh, mining traditionally has provided income and resources. For many of these countries, whether it's gold, platinum, copper uh, or oil you know, uh, and these are very volatile because uh, in, in terms of their price movements and, and have a great impact in the economy and this is why there is a move towards diversification, moving downstream from just natural resource production into interme- in the production of intermediate goods. in in the mainstream manufacturing assembly and things like that uh, as you get closer to the, to the customer, whatever. Then there are services. Uh, Africa has great tourism potential and many countries are doing awfully well. It's a big foreign exchange earner, uh, in comparison to the level of invest, investment that you have to put out in many cases. Of course, there are world-class facilities, and, and uh, people very know very well of the safaris and things like that, but there are many. There's a great variety throughout various countries in Africa. Then there is, of course, the need to pro, uh, improve financial services, uh, I, I mentioned how the MPesa uh, created products that fit in a particular niche, but in general, financial services to deal with international uh, foreign exchange and, and other issues that are coming on stream as the African middle class uh, grows. Uh, they need credit cards, they need certain types of services just as we do. Health is important, and educational service is important. All of these are, are areas that if there are companies that are involved in these sectors, they ought to take a look and see how they could solve problems and meet needs in a variety of African countries. Then there's agriculture, agricultural production. Africa needs to learn to feed itself much better than it's doing, uh, there is about 60% of the world's arable land is in Africa. So there is a tremendous potential for increased agricultural production. And, of course, with that comes different part, types of agribusiness, processing of basic products all along the value chain. So these, off the top of my head, are some of the areas uh, that, Offer considerable opportunity to the business, businesses that are players in these areas, to take a look at uh, in many countries.
1: Leyland, how easy or difficult is it to do business in Africa from the perspective of government regulations, protection of intellectual property, and also culture? Right.
0: Well, maybe I'm prejudiced because I've been operating in Africa for the last 40 years, so that I really am not intimidated. Uh, But uh, let me address intellectual property. I I remember many years ago when I I organized the first international franchise conference in, in Africa. Uh, I brought many franchisers from the United States out. Uh it I did that under the auspices of the US government. And so I was advised to take a hard look at the issue of internet intellectual property. And so I brought attorney out from attorneys out from the United States to take a look at that and so on. So that is an issue because they're not as smoothly integrated into the international system of patents and copyrights and whatever, so it would be in a company's interest to have consultation with a good attorney in in the country with which it's uh, taking a look at. Regulations, regulations are tricky. Uh, of course you have to learn what they are they may, may not be particularly onerous uh, depending on the industry in which you are but this is really what i w- i want to say you have to really take monitor it very carefully uh, because as developing countries uh they are now putting regulations and uh, in place to facilitate their growth to, to create a, an investment environment and what have you. So many of the laws in many of the countries are basic. So they're now creating new laws for their new situations. So it is dynamic. It is changing. And this is why I say you have to pay attention to it and see uh, what changes are taking place and of course, be a good citizen. There have been recent cases uh, where major countries, companies, have run a foul with regulations in some countries that have been very, very costly. Uh, yeah. so, so that's.
1: Now, really, just a reminder. Really, yeah. Welcome uh, Manhattan Business. My guest right. today is Evelyn Hazelwood from Dimpex. We're discussing expanding into African growth markets. If you have any questions, feel free to call the number is eight three one three zero one and dial one so I know you have a question. Please remember the opinions expressed on this program are participants and do not necessarily represent the views or positions of the Manhattan Chamber of Commerce. Now, Waylon, following up on your previous uh, answer, how safe is it to do business in Africa?
0: I I would say it's safe, like any place else, safety uh, or or, or physical safety and that type of thing.
1: Well, there are a few ways of looking at it. You can get up and say, you know, so there's a terrorist attack in France, but you wouldn't say, well, we're not going to do business with France because of terror. There's a terrorist attack in Africa. Someone may respond differently.
0: Uh, Exactly.
1: All right. But, you know, crime. Well, how much crime is there on the streets of uh, Nairobi, as opposed to how much crime is there on the streets of... Manhattan, right, so it's all you know safety is uh relative, but it is important. I always get a kick out of it when then if anyone goes to Toronto and for the first time they come back and they always say the same thing. I can't believe how clean and how safe it is yes, now, yes, so well, let me give you safety. an example
0: i lived I live in Rwanda for year and a half, and in Kigali, the capital, I felt very, in my neighborhood and in most parts of Kigali, I felt very comfortable walking on the street any hour of the day or night. Okay? Okay. That's how well organized, very, right. I lived in South Africa for about 10 years, and there are areas... In which I would not go; it would be unwise to get there because of the crime rate, incidence of crime. But during the time that I live here, and the twenty uh, plus years that I've been going back and forth to the country, I haven't been mugged as yet.
1: <laughs> I
0: haven't been robbed. Uh, so okay. it varies; it varies from country, it's, and it's. It, it,
1: it almost sounds like you're saying Africa is like every other country, only more so. Or Africa, African countries are like any other countries, only more so.
0: Yeah, more so. Yeah, there's high crime in certain areas. Uh, there's poverty. And 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 in some areas, mendicants, you know, begging and, and things like mm-hmm. that. But those are the... the uh, marks or indicators of poverty. But if you're a global citizen, you're trying to grow your business, you're trying to integrate your 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 business into the global framework because you're competing for markets, not only are you defending your market in the country in which you are, but you're going for third country markets, uh, then you have to develop these types of sensitivities Mm -hmm. to be able to play in overseas markets. I understand.
1: Now, talk to us about corruption, because that always comes up. I know that uh, this was uh, a business plan competition that I attended, and it was to do business in India not in Africa, Mm -hmm. in India, Mm -hmm. and the company was going to set up solar panels to provide electricity for huts where there was no grid. And just like you might have asked me, you know, um, what color tie are you wearing? This gentleman picked up, uh, raised his hand, and said, I see your uh, financials. You don't have any, where do you have bribery? Where mm-hmm. do you have bribes? And the person just said, well, we have that under operating expenses. And it was just <laughs> like they were talking about uh, where you're, um, you know, how much you're going to spend on computers. It was right. a given that you have to bribe, and then there was the definition, the legal definition in the United States of what a bribe is. Bruce, I think you got, got it.
0: it. So got
1: it. talk to us about corruption.
0: Yeah. Corruption is a serious problem. And if you're a U.S. company, you, you, you have to be very clear that you're, uh, you're not going to be involved in corruption, which means, but you have to recognize the fact that it's out there and, and you have to get your point across and find ways to be competitive. But at times there is a fine line Uh, Definitional, Uh, particularly in the area of brokering, brokering services, where sometimes there's a fine line whether this is a genuine service, whether it's a genuine service that is being provided to you that you are prepared to pay for, but maybe the person or the group is not uh, registered in a formal way and all that sort of stuff, but they're going to move your paper their service, they'll move your paper from the bottom of the pile to the top of the pile so that you could get your license to do the next thing that you want to do. Uh, So there is poverty, and so there is always a temptation for petty thievery and and things of that. It was
1: once explained to me that the difference between a bribe that's legal and a bribe that is illegal is that if you give somebody money to do their job, that's an illegal bribe. If you give somebody Mm -hmm. money to do something which is not their job, that is not considered in the United States a bribe. And the example that was given, if you have a container at a port, and you want your container unloaded, and you go to the person responsible for unloading and you say, here's $1,000, I'm making this up obviously, $1,000. Right, right sure, sure. Have my shipment moved to the front of the line and unloaded, that's an illegal bribe. But if you go to somebody who's not involved and say, listen, we would appreciate it if you would help Facilitate the uh, unloading of our property that may not be considered a bribe. That's correct. what I what was explained for me. And the caveat is, I am not an attorney, so you have to ask an attorney. But <laughs> what what what's your understanding?
0: No, you, no, you're correct. I I would go along in, in, with your thinking and and also consultation with a, with an attorney. Uh, but there is a lot of opportunity for bribes, you know, that you can recognize as plain out being bribes uh, because they're developing countries, because their systems are not in place. Uh, there's, there are many dysfunctional systems and uh, a certain degree of incompetence, poor enforcement and compliance. These weaknesses create opportunities uh, for, buy, for bribes whereas the person who's responsible to do it is putting their hands out to get something extra to do what what is their function their job to do uh, then of course there's there's greed on the grand scale and 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 here uh it's it takes two to tangle where you have large investments coming in whether it's in the mining industry or what have you, negotiations on that level where you could find corrupt civil servants who are asking for special favors and special emoluments. Uh, Those are clearly our bribes. But I think we have a response. When I say we, I mean companies from the United States and the OECD countries which control most of the business of the world, most of the trade, and most of the investment in the world. These companies have a responsibility to, to not become involved in, in, in the system of bribes. I know if you get caught, you, go to, you have problems in the United States, and I could cite many examples.
1: Theoretically,
0: OECD has very special... Uh, regulations and rules relating to this subject, but the OECD will tell you that most of the countries, the 32 or 33 countries that are part of OECD, have not, one, enacted sufficiently, uh, well, forceful legislation within their own countries to deal with the issue, or if there is legislation they are they're, they're recalcitrant in their Uh, compliance activities so that that feeds into the propensity for the request for bribes in certain African countries to get things done. So this is why I say it's an awfully complex uh, issue that has to be addressed not just within the countries themselves, but within the international community. And there... The, the African viewpoint also is 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 that 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 there's a certain amount of fraud that they that they experience with some of the large companies in transfer pricing, which accounts to for billions of dollars a year. So
1: you are giving so, us a. I'm I didn't mean to interrupt
0: right right you know so so that these are issues that have to be addressed on that type of level and and sometimes for instance i my company we were, we were doing a major co- uh project in a country i'm not going to name the country that's okay and um uh, so i the the head of the particular department in in that country said that they wanted a special honorarium. I said, no. I said, I didn't budget for for that honorarium because my understanding was that in your position, in your government as a regional director, you were being paid by your government to manage certain things. And part of his peeve was that, well, other foreign donors or other foreign companies provide honoraria. Uh, I had, I really had to be firm and explain that we don't do it, and it hadn't been budgeted for. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that uh, the, those are, the, the issues are grey at times. Uh, But it is a serious impediment to development uh, and a real corrupting force to the whole process of development.
1: Leland, what would surprise U.S. business owners about expanding into Africa?
0: What I have found, for instance, and well, this goes back some time, and it still holds true if you've never visited Africa, where large U.S. companies would come over and, you know, the consulate or the embassy would send them. Uh says, why don't you check with Lee? Uh, because at that particular time, uh, a very detailed study of the business community. This was in South Africa. So I would sit and chat with some of these businesses, and I would hear how surprised they were with the infrastructure that existed. And that will be surprising to a number of people who had never been to Africa and who only view Africa from the perspective of, let's say, Ebola, starving people in the desert, poor people with tremendous needs, coup uh, child soldiers, and what have you. And here you run into Nairobi, and it's a modern city, uh, Abuja, and, and I could go on and on, not not to mention cities in South Africa and so on, which are thoroughly modern, many of them first world. But not far away is the third world, poverty and what have you. But to the visitor who's just going to be there a few, few days and perhaps will not get out of the city, they are surprised that infrastructure with fancy malls and, uh, and Gucci and, and, and luxury goods in, in the malls and what have you. They didn't expect to see that. They expect to see sidewalk uh, vendors and, and, and what have you. What's A the good best way to expand
1: into Africa?
0: Uh, it depends on your business it depends on your business and when i say the best way would be to do thorough research even before you jump on a plane and go over there and our government provides a great deal of research information and support from the department of commerce the small business administration opic i I could go on and on uh but many companies are not aware the extent of the services that our government provides, and it would be worth their while to orient themselves in that process before taking the next step or, be- or before even getting the full benefit of experience and services that a company like mine would have to offer. Be- because Layler, they will we-
1: be- no, finish. You know. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, Finish because they'll be approaching it from an informed base rather than just a whim, really.
1: Before I let you go, what's the best way for listeners to get in touch?
0: Well, I could uh, give my email address, which is That's fine, Leland. whatever you want. Uh, hello? Yes, that's fine, L- whatever yes, you want. Leland. L E Y L A N D at Dimpex Inc. D I M P E X I N C dot com.
1: Great. You have provided us with a wealth of information. I really appreciate it. And I sincerely hope that you've inspired people to think about uh expanding into Africa.
0: Well, thank you, Bruce, and thank the Chamber for giving me the opportunity to have this discussion with you, because I've always felt strongly that there's a lot of opportunities for American companies to be players in Africa. Well, it's
1: our pleasure. I'm Bruce Hurwitz. Thank you for listening,
0: and have a safe
1: and prosperous week.